dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or saber a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today on the podcast, I am sharing a recording from a virtual tasting that I attended, hosted by the New York Wine and Grape Foundation. When we hear Finger Lakes wine, I think the majority of us immediately think of Riesling. And although the Finger Lakes makes quality Riesling, there is another white grape that does exceptionally well there, Chardonnay. In fact, it is the second most widely planted variety in the region. The tasting was moderated by Dan Belmont, American wine expert and WSET Level 3 certified. I was sent three samples of Chardonnay from Osmo Wine Company, Damiani Wine Cellars, and Hounds Tree Wines. Alongside the Chardonnay, I received cheddar cheese from Cabot Cheese, a complement of different cheddar cheeses that will pair perfectly with the three Chardonnays. Thank you to the New York Wine and Grape Foundation, Cabot Cheese for sponsoring the class, and to the wineries Osmo Wine Company, Damiani Wine Cellars, and Hounds Tree Wines for allowing me to participate. Listen in as we hear about cool climate Chardonnay and how much the Finger Lakes has to offer. Slancha. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, someday service, champagne specialist, and WSET level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. To New York Wines Online, Chardonnay, the other white grape with Dan Belmont. To begin today's webinar, I would like to introduce Dan Belmont. Dan has spent hundreds of classroom hours thrilling guests with wine and cheese education on both sides of the Atlantic. He fell in love with wine, visiting the Finger Lakes wine region in New York State, and has since worked as a brand ambassador and hospitality consultant for several notable Finger Lake producers and the statewide industry, and judged the New York State Wine Classic in 2019. Dan is a certified American wine expert and holds the level three certification in wines and spirits from the WSET. His decade plus of experience is the engine behind his latest work, goodwinegoodpeople.com, delivering good wine UK wide. Previously, he led the education departments of New York City's famed Murray's Cheese, the largest artisan cheese retailer in the US, and Bedales of Borough, a trio of London wine bars. Excited to have you with us today, Dan. I hand the mic to you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Hi, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Uh, good afternoon and welcome. Uh, thanks for the kind introduction, really. Um, I am a New York native of Eastern Long Island, a longtime resident of Astoria, Queens. Uh, let's go Mets. It's been a rough couple of weeks, but let's go Mets. Uh, <laughs> um, other news, exciting uh, uh, stuff from across the pond in London, where I currently reside. Uh, we just launched the NewYorkBottleShop.co.uk, uh, and I boast the largest by-the-bottle offering of New York State wine in the United Kingdom, and it's all powered by good wine, good people. Uh, we stock two incredible Chardonnays. Uh, I fell in love with wine in New York, uh, the people, the community. Uh, 
my experience uh, there has created the lens through which I see the rest of the wine world. Uh, but enough about me. I am obviously thrilled to be here. We've got such a fun topic and even better company. Uh, the theme of today's tasting is Chardonnay, the other white grape. Uh, and we hope that the session is a great introduction to the New York State region's styles, producers, and wines. Uh, Chardonnay was first successfully cultivated by Charles Fournier and Dr. Constantine Frank in the late 1950s at Gold Seal Vineyards in the New York Finger Lakes region. Uh, Chardonnay is the state's second most widely planted Vitis vinifera, a European grape variety, uh, behind Riesling. And uh, while Riesling often takes the spotlight, I am so glad that Chardonnay is getting its moment in the sun with this webinar today. Um, I recently took an unofficial poll of my social media community, which is chock full of trade professionals. And I asked, what do you think of when you think of New York State wine? And Chardonnay was mentioned not nearly as much as Riesling, which is, is super good news. Uh, sparkling wine, also widely mentioned, and I think Chardonnay obviously plays a big role there too. Um, it is a versatile grape that pairs uh, perfectly with food and summer days. Uh, and so to reintroduce our, I'm sorry, to introduce our esteemed guests, uh, the producers of the wines in today's flight, also in the order in which we will taste them, we have Ben Riccardi, who is the owner and winemaker of Osmote. Uh, and we are tasting the uh, 2018 Chardonnay uh, from Seneca Lake in the Finger Lakes. We are also joined by Alex Rosanelli, winemaker of Hounds Tree Wines, uh, with their 2017 Estate Chardonnay from Long Island. Uh, and we are joined by Jeremy Brochiers, representing Damiani Wine Cellars with their 2019 Chardonnay from the Finger Lakes. So we want this tasting to be a conversation, not just between myself and the panelists, uh, but with you, our guests too. So please uh, pop any questions you may have about the specific wines or otherwise into the chat box, and we will make every effort to answer them if we, uh, as we go along. Uh, if I decide uh, we can tackle it better uh, later on, I will uh, table it, but we will make sure to get to everyone's questions uh, during the session. Uh, I'm always happy to talk wine and cheese, uh, and I know that many of you have Cabot samples on hand. Uh, so please let us know which cheeses are singing with these Chardonnays. Uh, finally, a big thank you to our hosts, the New York Wine and Grape Foundation at New York Wines, newyorkwines.org, as well as the three producers joining us today. So without further ado, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our first guest, Ben Riccardi, who's the winemaker and owner of Osmo Wine Company, uh, which is based in the Finger Lakes on the northeast side of Seneca Lake. And we are going to kick this flight off with uh, the 2018 Seneca Lake Chardonnay. Ben, how you doing, mate? I'm well, thanks. Good. Thank Good you for joining you. us. Yeah, pleasure to have you, really. Um, so, Ben, take a couple minutes, introduce yourself, introduce the brand, uh, and introduce today's wine. Yeah, terrific. Uh, ben Riccardi. <laughs> so, I, I'm, um, I'm from the Finger Lakes. I grew up uh, outside of Ithaca and um, studied uh, vineyard management at Cornell and then traveled the world a whole bunch to learn as, as much as I, I could about winemaking. And with all that hopping back and forth between countries and hemispheres and, um, you know, I, I came to realize that I grew up in one of the great gems of the winemaking world. Um, so while I was um, 
the production winemaker for City Winery in Manhattan back in 2014, I um, concurrently started to make Osmo wine. Um, I saw an, an opportunity. Um, I, I had a, a, a 2010 uh, Ravines Chardonnay on a yeah. trip back home from the city. And I was really pretty gobsmacked with this wine and thought texturally it was really compelling and very interesting. And I looked at my own experience, um, having worked with really phenomenal Chardonnay producers like Craigie Range in New Zealand and William Selim in Sonoma. I, I thought, man, like everyone where I live is really focused on Riesling and I'm seeing that there's a tremendous potential for Chardonnay. And I think I have some of the skills, the tools, you know, the knowledge from my, from my travels to uh, really make an impact and, and stand out and do something different um, and, and just really add to the conversation. And, and you know, it was um, really imp important to me, especially around, you know, 2014, there were, um, there, there was like a risk of um, hydraulic fracturing for like oil. That was, that was question if that was going to happen in New York state and people um, thankfully really banded together and uh, you know, worked to keep this place clean and, and, and serene and, and did a very good thing there. Um, but it was a, it was a gut check to me and in and, and a moment as, you know, tasting great Chardonnay, knowing that I like, Chardonnay a lot, have something to offer to it, and that I could do something in work that will really preserve and um, promote agriculture and, you know, keeping the Finger Lakes, keeping upstate New York green and, and sustainable. Um, so, you know, everything aligned and um, that, you know, there we were, we, we started at first I was, um, just making wine by contract in someone else's winery. And um, then 2017, I, I moved up here, continued to do that, increased the, the scale of it, got over a thousand cases. And eventually um, after the 19 harvest, I was so big that um, since 2020, I've been in my own production space and you know, I'm making about, uh, forgive me, about uh, 2000 cases of wine per year, uh, I would say at least a third of that is um, Chardonnay. I also um, have taken a keen interest in some of the more historical uh, grapes from the region, some of the uh, hybrids. What, what I like to think of is heirloom varieties, the varieties that kind of like um, pillared the, the, the region before we realized the, 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 the real potential that we had with, with vinifera, things like Chardonnay and Riesling. Sure. Um, and I do a little, you know, cab franc and, and stuff. And, uh, it's, it's seems to be going well. We're, we're for sale in, uh, the, the UK, Japan and it's all hard. across the U S it's awesome. Mate. Congratulations. Um, what does, uh, the word osmote mean? Yeah. So it, I, I say it means to move naturally towards balance. And, um, I thought, uh, you know, taking the word osmosis, taking a water word and from, from science and um, 
I, I thought it could really encapsulate some of the magic of the, the Finger Lakes because um, in, in reality, where, where we are is um, it's, it's too cold a place to really grow grapes. Things, you know, things are changing, but we have some extremes here, um, which on paper mean that we shouldn't be able to do what we do, but because we are the, the finger lakes and lakes carved by a glacier millions of years ago that are of such an um, uh, incredible depth, um, ultimately is so much water that they, they don't freeze and that little bit of heat that comes off the water um, naturally balances our vineyards. So, so the whole region is like Osmo moving naturally towards balance. And, um, and then, you know, the word kind of makes sense for a lot of my winemaking philosophy too, because, um, you know, while I'm, I don't think it's fair to say I'm a, a natural winemaker, but I, I really trust in um, indigenous, you know, ferments. I, I, I believe that there's an ecosystem in the, in the vineyard and it comes into the winery on the skins of your grapes. And, you know, if you, if you trust it and foster it, the, the wine will make itself. So mm -hmm. naturally bad balanced environment osmo through and through awesome that's great uh why don't you tell us about uh the wine that everyone has today so we got the 2018 chardonnay yeah yeah so uh say the fourth or third third vintage yeah fourth vintage of uh of of um chardonnay um beautiful uh text textural wine and uh, as I had mentioned before, I, I like to trust in uh, indigenous fermentation. Um, so I have always a, a really um, long and, and slow fermentation process and that's taking place in uh, very large uh, oak barrels, um, mm -hmm. like 400 liters. So uh, when, when like 200 something gallons, um, there's Sade. Um, in the winery, she's the, uh, the the godmother of all things great in Chardonnay. keeps it keeps me running as a smooth operator. Um, and those are the big barrels. Um, and here I am inspecting some Chardonnay. Um, you know, and and eighteen was a, a really uh, difficult year in the vineyard, but Chardonnay is a really um, terrific uh, grape in that situation because it, it's one that you, you harvest early. So I think I was able to um, catch um, what was like a real kind of life-saving um, uh, Indian summer in, in 2018 and get the grapes off early, capture a sense of um, phenolic tension with the um, you know, high, high acid uh, earlier picked grapes um, and I, I really like to put some emphasis on that, uh, that, that, that tension that, and, you know, sense of, of verb. Um, so I, um, you know, I, I whole cluster press the, the grapes and really use all of the juice. There's no press fractioning. I like that, um, little, that little bit of, uh, grip that comes from pressing the grape, uh, just a little bit harder towards the, the finish. And um, I think you can feel in this wine, there's a lot of 
um, fatness and, and even, you know, picking early, there's a lot of richness and ripeness. Um, it carries the, the, the weight of this wine, um, carries oak really, really well. Um, there's a fair, you know, there's always a fair amount of, of newer oak in, in my, um, in my Chardonnay program, but you know, the, 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 the structure, the richness, the layers of the fruit, it, and the, you know, that long, slow ferment in, in oak, it all integrates really nicely, I think. Um, and with all that, that richness and that, and that fatness, that, that tension, that phenolic, uh, bite at the finish is really uh, pleasing and, and refreshing. I and think. when you say that it's a long, slow fermentation, give, give folks an idea of, of how long we're talking about, because I know for, I know when you start to drag that fermentation out, it could get a bit, a bit nail biting. And there's, there's a ton of producers out there that don't have oh, that yeah, kind of patience. <laughs> now I have a baby, so I don't, I never sleep, but uh, <laughs> um you know, just, you gotta, you just gotta trust mm -hmm. the process. Like at this point, we got so much technology and ways to monitor stuff. And people have been doing this for centuries. Like, you know, strive to work with clean fruit, treat it, treat it gently and with respect. And, um, you know, you put it in those barrels, it kind of, it, it, it will, it will make itself. It can be, it can be a nail biter, but but I've, I've, I've been pretty lucky. Does it, so does far. it slow down as things get colder into the winter? You pushing it? Yeah. Down yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm in my second facility, but through the, the history of Osmo, I've always been in really pretty, um, rustic winemaking environments. Um, so really I pick, uh, usually like first or second week in October, um, you know, like I said, 18 was kind of a Indian summer. So, you know, I had some heat to work with, get the fermentation going. And ultimately what happens, it just, um, it gets so, uh, cold and it starts to affect my barrel room. And then a, a real like seasonality takes over and the barrels kind of go to sleep. And, um, you know, I keep them topped up. I smell them all, you know, every other week um taste them smell them monitor them but and usually i'll i'll hard bung them even though i know that they still have some energy in them and then come springtime you start to see like a like a crocus or a daffodil or something popping up and <laughs> you better go yeah, to the yeah. winery yeah. You probably have bones <laughs> popping out of your barrel and, it, and then that, that's just the 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 magic of it and and why i say you you know just just like trust it there's there's a magic there, there's something that happens and um you know the 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 ferments they finish in springtime it's, it's pretty wild so ben we got a couple of questions coming through the first is from david uh david sit and we have why did you decide to make two stylistically different chardonnays uh did the grapes themselves help you determine the styles or did you have two styles in mind and then sought out grapes to fit said styles yeah um so the seneca lake uh, Oak Chardonnay, which you're drinking right now, um, comes from the east side of Seneca that appreciates more of the afternoon sun, ripens pretty well. Um, and the vineyards are sloped and steeper and they, the, they're on a, um, you know, glacial soil. So, um, uh, an alluvial, um, gravelly soil. This is a soil that, um, drains water, uh, better 
Um, so, and, and then the, the slope helps the water move away from the vine. So ultimately these vines, are, uh, the Seneca Lake fruit ripens earlier. Berry size is a little bit smaller, um, really nice goldy, um, rich flavors in this and a sense of structure that um, I always felt would pair really well um, with an oak regime, especially, you know, a very uh, large format oak uh, regime where the, the touch of the oak is, is more gentle. Um, and then um, I wanted to also make a uh, lighter, more, more fruity style of Chardonnay. And I looked to Cuga uh, Lake fruit sources and I got, uh, I am sourcing from beautiful vineyards on the west side of the lake. Appreciate more of the morning sun um, and they're, they're, they're flatter sites. Um, I, I really find in, on Cuba Lake, the sites that I've worked with have, um, a little more, uh, energy in, in the, in the ground. There's a little more clay content. They hold water. Berries, um, are a little bit bigger and speak to me with like fruit and, and, and freshness. And I, you know, I try to keep it light. I don't over adorn it. Um, and uh, just let the fruit speak for itself, you know, fermented all the way in stainless steel, no oak. Great. And then Patricia was curious, and this is this is specifically to the wine that we're tasting today. Uh, do you put all of it through uh, malolactic fermentation or is it just kind of whatever happens? Yeah, uh, it, you know, in my winery, it's kind of whatever happens. Uh, the 2018 is a total uh, malolactic fermentation. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, the wine gets a, a the you know its whole life in the barrel on uh, gross uh, lees, um, so like a heavy uh, sediment. Yep. And um, you know, I told you that I uh, usually am finding the barrels fermenting into the the springtime um, with the primary uh, fermentation. So. Um, you know, I get this, I, I go through a full malolactic, but I find that um, the, the, it never really comes out as overly uh, buttery because, the, you know, the wine is always alive and that, that butteriness of a, a malolactic fermentation kind of gets re-fermented back into the wine, becomes something else. And, um, you know, it's, it's all part of like building, building layers and creating complexity. Um, so, you know, when you, when, I think when you smell my wines, sometimes it can be difficult to um, say like, oh, I smell pineapple or, you know, I like one thing doesn't stick out, but I, I kind of like the subtlety of it because actually you smell so many things and, and because you can't put a finger on any single one, you know, it really uh, starts to speak then of, of complexity and, and, and yeah. then it, then it slams on the by the glass program because everyone wants that second glass to figure yeah. out what's going on. Well, yeah, there, I mean, and there is a ton going on. I'm getting, you know, there's there's uh, dairy notes, there is fruit notes, there's definitely something green and herbaceous in there too, um, and it's uh, it's really a lovely wine. Uh, Julio wants to know what what are your favorite food pairings for this one? Whatever my baby's eating. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good for you, mate. Uh, so I wanted to, uh, I, I do, I have one more question. I think I know the answer on this. And then I want to just kind of open it up to Jeremy and Alex and see uh, if they have any questions for you, uh, just because we've got, you know, a little meeting of the minds here and to take advantage of that. Um, but, you know, is, is Chardonnay 
still is it is it or was it ever cool is it cool you know what what do you say to the the abcs those any anything but chardonnay folks oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) it is a massive opportunity for me like you scared everyone else in this region away from chardonnay and i came in as a 20 something and because i was looking left while everyone else was looking right i got into um you know, really good old vineyards with nice vine age. Um, and, you know, I, I don't believe in the ABC thing, to be honest with you. I mean, in the four years that I lived in New York, I feel like I saw Chardonnay on like every wine list. And sommeliers whom I respected, um, you know, they, they, they drank Chardonnay and turned me on to, to great Chardonnay. And, you know, having... Um, Work, like working in, in New Zealand, Craigie Range, tasting Kumia River, you, you know, and, and then, you know, Australia, you, you got like Shia Kanda and, and um, Sean Smith and, and Toll Puddle. You know, I had incredible, incredible Chardonnays and, and everyone was so excited about that. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I, I knew that if I made it, I'd be able to sell it. And I, and I had a lot of passion for it. It's something I care about. And, and again, you know, it was, it was a huge opportunity. And, and by starting there instead of Riesling, I got great fruit sources. Yeah. So do, do you consider Chardonnay to be your, your flagship variety? Um, do you think of it that way? You don't, it's, it's okay if you don't. Just curious. I, I, I do. I mean, it's what I based the brand on. It's all I yeah. made for the first two vintages, you know, but now I'm like the hipster winemaker, I guess. Because <laughs> like, I started making Petnat and people love Petnat. And I, you know, I took, like I said, I took an interest in historical varieties and kind of re-empowering old um, vineyard, older vineyard managers and, and um, you know, putting a renewed interest on, on older um, uh, hybrid vineyards and, and, you know, um, so I've, I've been doing that stuff, too, and, and people have taken a real shine to it. Um, so, you know. That's awesome. Yep. Jeremy, Alex, any, any questions for, for Ben? Any thoughts on the wine? Well, another, another stunner, Ben, as always. Not that I ever expect any less from your Chardonnay. I, I'm, I'm truly a fan and have always been. Uh, and I don't think I ever told you this, but a couple of years ago, uh, when I first was introduced to your shard, I introduced it to my mother, who is a Chardonnay gal to the bone. Um, and she's where I inherited my love of Chardonnay for sure. Uh, and she, uh, she's subsequently become a huge fan as well. So I will be probably sharing the remainder of this bottle after I leave here with her this afternoon. Uh, so thank you for sharing. Um, really, yeah, but again, really beautiful. Um, I love it. It's, it's got almost, I, I really love the kind of spice component to it. And I'm guessing that's probably from the new, the new Oak, but are, are you using exclusively French barrels, right? French Oak, 100%. Yeah. I, I use only, um, French Oak. I really only use, um, Dargo Gal, um, which is a nice, um, like a Burgundy, um, Cooper. It's what I used with Pinot and Chardonnay in New York city. And I developed a real fondness for it. It's a water bent barrel instead of a fire bent barrel. So uh, I think, um, it, it brings oak into wine really, really gently. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really, really beautiful. Mm, I'm seeing amber jack, 
Carpaccio with this. Someone's having an incredible Tomo. Oh my man, he's he's having. <laughs> I was sad to see my question picked up because you know Ben, I'm a huge fan of your uh, of your uh, Chardonnay as well. Um, I was hoping, I was wondering if you could talk, I know a little bit off topic, but a little bit more about the site and kind of how those two different sites work in those two wines. I know one a little more clay and limestone, one more alluvial. Other than aspect, do you share any other thoughts around kind of terroir for Chardonnay in general in the Fingerlakes or specifically in vineyards that you're working with or anything you look for in particular in a Chardonnay vineyard? That, I mean, this, this is an excellent question. Um, you know, definitely, you know, I, as I as I said, soil soil structure and aspect make me think about how I want to approach this wine in, in the, the winery or approach the grapes in the winery. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, a, a terroir definitely can speak to one wine style more more than another. Um, as I'm selecting fruit, um, you know, I'm I'm really I'm going to more established uh, vineyard managers, and um, kind of lucky to get what I can get. <laughs> I I have a great uh, site in Burdette on the east side of Seneca Lake, which is uh, again alluvial gravel soil with a nice slope to it, um, getting that afternoon sun, and uh, I am very much looking forward to planting uh chardonnay there and you know per perpetuating the uh this you know the seneca oak regime style i awesome. hope that answers your question it's a very thoughtful question. uh so let's actually pivot ben thank you so much we're going to pivot over to alex uh just in the interest of time and i think we're going to have uh more questions for everybody at the end as well so we'll definitely uh hear from you again uh but i want to introduce alex again uh we have alex rosanelli from hounds tree wines and he's got the 2017 estate chardonnay uh alex please uh, introduce yourself introduce the brand and introduce the wine thanks Absolutely. for joining us yeah thank you thanks for having me so um so we've been um, in operation since 2015, relatively young brand. We farm 30 acres of a state vineyard on the east end of Long Island, of which about 10 acres is planted to Chardonnay. Um, it's actually our largest planting by acreage. Um, so we've been working with Chardonnay since day one and one of my favorite varieties to work with you know, in general. Um, this past year, we opened our first tasting room, um, which is located in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. Uh, in addition to our Chardonnay, you know, we, make, we make and grow at our estate um, vineyard, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, classic Bordeaux varieties for the east end of Long Island. So Chardonnay is the only white variety that we work with, not not the second white variety that we work with. So it's been um, it's been really core to our project and our core white wine. Um, since 2016, um, we've planted a couple other varieties on the vineyard and, and look forward to working with those in the future, one of them being um, Marsan and Roussan, which will be our other estate white wine. Um, yeah, so Chardonnay has been, been a lot of fun to work with. It's, it's a fair variety of mine. Um, and we're uh, really excited to to have it today. So um, that it's it's been it's been exciting to see so many great Chardonnays popping up. I mean, we've been seeing more of them from the Finger Lakes as well. And then it's really been a core variety on the East End of Long Island where we are. Um, so excited to be having this conversation. It's awesome. Why don't you tell everybody about the the wine that we're tasting today, the 2017? And now a word from our sponsor. Did you know that Dracina Wines has a wine club? We named it the Chalk Club. Draco is on our label, but Vegas was getting a bit jealous, so we decided he deserved to be our wine club spokesdog. 
In Las Vegas, betting chalk means that you are betting on all of the favorites, and we're gambling that once you taste our wines, we will become one of your favorite wineries. The club is simple, yet a bit different than most. We don't ask for a lot of commitment like others do. Choose between three tiers. The Sweet 16, where you'll receive three bottles twice a year and get 25% off all orders. Sign up for the Elite 8 and get 30% off all orders and receive four bottles twice a year. Or make it to the Final Four and receive six bottles twice a year, as well as receiving 35% off all purchases. All tiers receive discounted shipping, are customizable, and are eligible for unlimited referral bonuses. Add $15 to your bank for each person you refer. Head to www.dracinawines.com or the link in the show notes to find out all the Chalk Club has to offer and to sign up. We've stocked the odds so that you can get our award-winning wines without breaking the bank. Yeah. Absolutely. So 2016, 17, same method of production for these wines. So it's 100% estate fruit. Uh, and we source the fruit from a single block uh, at our vineyard, um, which is Dijon Clone 95. Uh, some of the oldest Dijon Clone vines on the East End, these were planted in 1996, um, which is not that old in the grand scheme of things, but but for East Coast wines and for Dijon Clone Chardonnay, uh, it's been cool to work with some relatively older vines for that. Um, you know, this wine, uh, we do in a couple different harvests. So, so we do a sequential pick. It's not a single pick. Um, I generally like the kind of tension that the earlier picks bring to the wines in terms of acidity, and then really doing some of those later picks in terms of physiological maturity of the fruit. Um, in terms of the region, North Fork Long Island, compared to someplace like the Finger Lakes, uh, longer growing season, more moderate maritime climate surrounded by water. So really that kind of, um, you know, Indian summer effect as well, but really stretching into the fall. So our last pick for this wine is probably sometime in uh, mid or early October. Um, we really get that long hang time um, for that kind of full physiological maturity of the fruit, those really kind of golden skins. Um, you know, and Ben mentioned something on, in his conversation about um, kind of phenolic tension and that and that kind of extraction. That's something we always look for as well. So while some of those earlier picks were doing whole cluster pressing, just really focusing on that kind of minerality and bright tartness of the juice to add a little bit of kind of backbone to the wine. In those later picks, which are kind of the bulk of the wine by volume, we really are kind of you know, pushing extraction, sometimes a little bit of a soak, um, sometimes just with that kind of incorporation of the press fraction, really kind of pushing that physio that kind of phenolic extraction into the wine to give it that texture structure. Um, I think one of the things that I love about Chardonnay, particularly from the East End, uh, is it really does highlight as a variety kind of the, the sense of place. And, and we are um, surrounded by water and there is always this kind of maritime quality and the salinity to a lot of the wines. So in general, you know, I, you know, I try, uh, you know, this is an unoaked wine. Um, it is partially barrel fermented, which I'll speak to in a second, but um, I really do kind of want to keep the fruit itself at the center of the wine and keep keep that focus on the fruit that we're growing in our estate vineyard and, mm -hmm. and the vintage and the terroir of the site. Um, but really, I think the ripening and the way we handle the wine does kind of push past kind of primary fruit aromatics. Um, so we're not necessarily looking for that kind of clean, crisp, like apple or pear, looking more to kind of go past that to get into kind of you know, more honeyed tones, and then all looking to kind of bring out some of the savoriness that I think we experience in Long Island in general, which is kind of this kind of green olive note or dried herbal note, definitely more of those kinds of green as well as honeyed tones, adding a lot of kind of complexity and interest to the wine, along with kind of white floral elements. Um, so, you know, that's been kind of a core element for us, and then kind of marrying that 
phenolic extraction with a little bit of barrel fermentation with lees aging, um, although without using uh, new oak. Okay, cool. Uh, I actually, so on the, on your back label, it mentions acacia barrels. Acacia, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, well, uh, tell, tell us, tell me about those. Tell us about, you know, um, why and then, and then the what, what's the, what's the result from that compared yeah. to, you know, let's say French oak. Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, so we actually use DNJ acacia barrels, as Ben mentioned, DNJ the cooperage. Um, so it's 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 acacia. So it's a different type of tree from oak. Uh, it's acacia tree. So these same French cooperages that that bring in French or Hungarian oak and and make barrels in France are bringing in French grown acacia wood. Uh, they're seasoning it and curing it in the same way that they would new oak. Um, uh, you know, so we use about thirty percent of this wine is fermented in acacia barrel. Um, most of that being new, some of that being older acacia. Um, what I really like about it is it allows for barrel fermentation in a new barrel without um, without adding any oak flavor. So it has similar kind of tannin structure and adds similar phenolics to, to what you get out of oak, but doesn't have any of the kind of vanilla or, or kind of other types of flavors that would generally come out of oak wood. So it's adding some of that tannin contribution. It's also more porous than oak. And, and as oak barrels get older, they actually become less and less porous as they become less and less neutral. Uh, and I really like kind of that, that micro-oxygenation that happens in a new barrel, um, particularly when you're fermenting on gross leaves or on juice leaves, which is something that I like to do and do for this wine in particular. Um, so I am looking to that oxygen to help evolve and mature the wine and kind of really bring out some of those more um, kind of secondary um, type of aromatics rather than that primary fruit. Um, mm -hmm. So I think the acacia does that really well in the sense that it, it, you get that kind of micro-oxygenation of the wine and at the same time are getting a little bit of that tannin contribution and which I think marries really well, particularly with the tannin extraction from the skins of the grapes to get that kind of marriage of wood tannin and, and, um, and, and berry skin tannin um, while not covering up the wine with any types of flavors of vanilla or oak. Cause I really do want to kind of keep the focus of this wine in particular on, on the fruit. And, and I think it, it it's a technique that I had worked with in, in Oregon, um, working with Pinot Gris, which is typically not an oak variety. And I wanted to bring it in here because I was really liking um, the flavors that I was seeing in oak Chardonnays from the North Fork Long Island, particularly when they had significant barrel age, oh, sorry, bottle age. You know, so I'd see bottles that were, you know, 10 years old plus, uh, and was really finding this really kind of beautiful, herbaceous character, the salinity, the savoriness to the wines, um, kind of after the oak had had this long period of time to kind of integrate and almost go away. Um, and I wanted to see if I could bring out some of that and really focus on that as the primary focus of the wine, as the expression of the terroir, rather than kind of need to keep it for 10 years in bottle to kind of integrate away some of those oak flavors. So I wanted to kind of keep it focused on that fruit while bringing in that tannin balance, that structure, that kind of richness from barrel fermentation um, and kind of the development of the aromatics that happens from the oxygenation. Super cool. Uh, you, you've pretty much answered my question uh, that, that I had lined up for you uh, and, and that it's, it's great. Um, but you know, Chardonnay uh, is often referred to as a winemaker's grape. And I think this is kind of also my retort to those ABC folks um, and, and my wife included, um, but you could slip in a Chablis in there and she wouldn't know the difference. So it's great. Uh, but um, you know, you know, it's, it's got very notable versatility, right? And so when someone says, oh, I don't drink Chardonnay, for me, it's like, you know, it's telling me, it's like telling me you don't like music, right? There is a Chardonnay out there for everybody. You might not have found it yet, but I, I promise it exists. And so, you know, it's, it's 
kind of a, a chicken and an egg question, you know, what comes first? Uh, are you managing the grapes to make a certain style or um, are you making a certain style based on the grapes that you achieve from any given vintage? Yeah, definitely. Right. So, I mean, it is a chicken and egg, right? And I think it, it depends on kind of how you think about Chardonnay and how you think about the best expression. And for me, um, what it always comes down to in terms of thinking about what the best version of a wine is or what, what I'm trying to do with the wine is, is how can it express something unique about the place where it's grown, right? Because that for me is the brilliance of wine in general and the magic of wine and, and, and also, you know, of Chardonnay, right? It's this wine, it's this variety that's planted all over the world and has these unique expressions in, in different different terroirs and climates. Um, ben mentioned a whole bunch of great producers all over the world. And, and I think that's something that's really fascinating and awesome about Chardonnay. And I think when I uh, approached this wine in 2015, which is my first year farming this vineyard, was, you know, what do we want to do with the Chardonnay? You know, I, I could make 15 Chardonnays. I could make 15 Chardonnays that would all be different wines, right? What can I do with Chardonnay that's really going to be a unique reflection of this place and is going to say something that's unique and it's going to be a wine that's going to showcase, at least at some level, that it couldn't have been made somewhere else, right? That this is a wine that's going to be reflective of its environment. And, and I think that was really core to me. And that was really kind of what got me thinking about the different elements, right? And, and some of the things I love about the North Fork of Long Island is that you can achieve this really high level of physiological maturity in the fruit and ripeness in the fruit while retaining acidity and this really bright kind of pop of tartaric acidity. And then also that you can really ripen those skins and get that phenolic extraction while having to be ripe and round and and um, and not green or harsh in any kind of way. And also that the wines lend themselves to this savoriness or to this saltiness. Um, so I really kind of wanted to harness all of those different things, push the ripeness, push the extraction while retaining balanced alcohol, bright acidity, uh, and really kind of leaning into that kind of savory, salty, herbaceous, floral character that I think is really interesting and unique to the maritime climate that we have uh, on the East End of Long Island. Awesome. Uh, so I want to open it back up to Jeremy and Ben uh, and see if they have any questions for you or comments on the wine. Also, Patricia posed a question, which I think you just answered, but um, and, and I can kind of open it up to the group. You know, does Chardonnay actually express its its origins? You know, uh, I, I, yeah. And so it's just, just said she says it's, it's pretty much we could spend two hours on this alone. So yeah, Chardonnay does express its origins. I think you know. Look, I think people can nitpick the definition of terroir and and, and expression and, and you know and and there are much more informed opinions on on whether you can taste the difference between two prestigious vineyards right next to each other. Uh, I'm not going to weigh in on that topic. What I am going to say is that the growing condition of the vine, 100. percent has an impular where there are just so many unique elements to our climate that just really, really drive the style of the wine, right? Whether it's, you know, and all driven by our terroir, our, our land, our soil, our aspect, our, you know, particularly for us, the water that surrounds us and, and the Atlantic currents that bring, you know, through the jet stream, the Gulf Stream that bring warm water up north. So our water stays warm, it's shallow, we're surrounded by it. That means it's humid. It means that we have low diurnal variation, low evapotranspiration of the plant. Those, those plants retain that tartaric acid because it's not being titrated out by water uptake. It means the vines are ripening 24 hours a day enzymatically as opposed to shutting down overnight with a 30 degree temperature drop. Um, it means that our growing season is going from late April into October. You know, all of these things have a huge impact. I'm, I'm not going to go and say that the specific soil, any one mineral or any one element of the soil is going to be reflected specifically in the glass. But, you know, those those kind of 
microclimatic and mesoclimatic elements really do, I think, show up in wine. And I think in certain varieties like Chardonnay that are adaptable to so many different environments, you can really see that specifically and in really kind of like a fine tooth way. Um, whereas in some more finicky varieties, it just wouldn't grow in, uh, in one variety, in one climate right. or another. Yeah, very good. Jeremy, Ben, any thoughts, questions? Well, Alex, again, I thank you for sharing as well. It's really a really cool story. Congratulations on the new tasting room, by the way. Thank you. Hope that's going. You said that was 2019. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Our, our original start right. date was supposed to be early March of 2019, so we ended up pushing back and um, and opened finally in September. So it's been it's been an 18 months for sure. But uh, glad yeah, that and, and and I'm here now. So I apologize if you hear like a truck or anything going by on Bedford Ave. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, so yeah, beautiful, beautiful Chardonnay. Very cool to see you guys like so hyper focused and like one third of the vineyard is Chardonnay. That's that's really cool. Um, yeah, really interesting aromatics. I, I don't know if I've been able to like put my finger on it yet, but it's really beautiful. Um, and you said this was 100% stainless steel. No, so this is this is two thirds two thirds stainless steel, one third um, that acacia barrel fermentation. Oh, right, the acacia barrel, right, right. Yes, yeah, so I'm wondering if that's the aromatics I'm picking up. But and you know, I, I like that. I like that, that that there's no one aromatic specifically. You know, I think you know one of the things that I love in Chardonnay tastings in general is when you go through and like, you know, and you're getting these savory elements or herbaceous elements that aren't fruit driven, right? And you're getting notes yeah. of caraway or notes of whatever. <laughs> Like, um, so that's what I really wanted to do with this wine in particular. I think one of the, one of the, you know, as a relative newcomer to the East end of Long Island, in terms of being a winemaker and a wine grower out there, um, I, I really wanted kind of a priori to, to not do, you know, there's so many great stainless steel Chardonnays in the East end of Long Island. They're just like beautiful apple pear. There's so many great barrel fermented Chardonnays in the East end of Long Island that are, that are super classic and run the gamut from being Burgundian to being kind of in a new California style um, that I really wanted to try and add a different voice to that conversation while still kind of presenting a wine and, and making wine that was um, really specific to its sense of place, but but really different from the other wines that, that I saw being made, which were in much more classic styles. Well, for my, for my money, I think that you, uh, you nailed that uh, for sure. This is really, yeah, really beautiful, very unique. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, Alex, I, I, I um, feel like I can get a sense of some of that uh, skin contact and this, like this, this waxiness in the, in the aromatics. And it's, it's really compelling and interesting. And, and you said something that means a lot to me as well in, in that, you know, you appreciate when someone says like, I can't, you know, like it's, it's not like just banana. Like there's all these other things. Yeah, it's like, that's what we're going for, man. Like I'm trying to give you complexity and it doesn't, you know, it's not wine by numbers. Um, and this by no means is, is it, it, this really makes you, makes you think and it kind of slows your day down. And, and that's, I think that's what it's all about. And I, I think that's what draws me to, um, to, to Chardonnay and, and, and your bottles, your bottles delivering that. 
Yeah, I think that I'm I'm really stuck in. You mentioned olives uh, uh, in in before, and I've been really stuck on that ever since you said it, and I, and I find it fascinating. Uh, it's it's really great. Um, and we have some more questions piling up. I'm going to save them uh, for the end uh, because I do want to get to our third wine. Uh, but you know, it's also interesting. You know, both Ben, Alex, you know, in this kind of not being able to put a wine into a tight little package. I think that is also very true of New York state. Right. And I think it's, it's um, a, a challenge that, that I think a lot of people try to, again, say is, you know, New York just Riesling? Is it just Cabernet Franc is, you know, and, and obviously there's just too much going on to, to kind of pigeonhole it like that. Uh, and I think that, if you also take a step back and you make that your winemaking approach as well, I mean, the, the, uh, there's the, we're limitless, right. You know? Um, and I think you're going to make some super fascinating wines and, um, they're going to keep, keep being awesome. So, uh, so thank you very much. Really good. Uh, I want to, uh, introduce our last panelist once more, uh, Mr. Jeremy Brochiers from Damiani wine cellars also on the east side of Seneca. Jeremy, how you doing, buddy? Uh, great, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I know that uh, I'm supposed to be Glenn, one of the owners of the operation today, but uh, he had something come up, so I'm stepping in. I am uh, woefully not the winemaker, so you will forgive me for not getting as technical as uh, Ben and Alex did, but uh, I'm the tasting room manager here at Damiani. I've been with these guys for Four years now. Uh, oh, yeah, it's been four years as of uh, this week, in fact. Huh, cool. Uh, Congratulations. Happy anniversary. Thanks. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a Finger Lakes native. Uh, like Ben, I grew up outside of Ithaca on Cayuga Lake as well. No, I spent uh, about half my life in New York City. My family's from Queens. So I uh, appreciate the Mets statement, Dan. Thank you very much for that. Uh, that kind of set the tone for me for this thing. Um, backslide this season, though, huh? <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> You know, we don't have to talk. Well, you know, it's a good thing we're drinking. We'll put it that way. Um, So, yeah. So like I mentioned to Ben before, I I have a a lifetime love of Chardonnay. Um, It's, you know, it's one of those things that I I almost get a little pushy in the tasting room about it when people sort of scoff or skip it. Like, oh, I don't drink Chardonnay. Like Dan, you pointed out, ABC, right? Um, So I get a little, you try it, you might like it sort of, you know, so I, I feel a little pushy in that way sometimes, but I also really love turning people on to Chardonnay because I think for a lot of people, they're just not familiar with the depth and breadth of the variety, you know, and I feel like that's very true of a lot of American wine consumers in particular, where, you know, they know big brands and they know, you know, box wine from the West Coast and whatever, but um yeah, so I, I've been a longtime fan of the Damiani Chardonnay for a lot longer than I've worked here. Um, you know, I, I, I love the balance. Phil Eris, our winemaker, um, and I'm going to steal some verbiage from Ben. He was talking about balance a lot, and that's definitely key for our Chardonnay program, which has definitely been a journey. So the winery opened in 2004. Uh, Lou Damiani and Phil Davis, the founding fathers. Lou was the winemaker. Phil's the grower and vineyard manager. Um you know, the, the whole the whole premise of the Damiani, well, I can't call it an experiment anymore, but the, the, the experiment at the time in the mid 90s, late 90s was, you know, let's plant the kinds of things that we like to drink. And it just kind of took off from there. So Chardonnay has been something that these guys have been making since the inception of the winery. So over 20 years of making Chardonnay at this point. And, uh, you know, I really think that it's grown. And like I said, it's it's been a journey for sure. You know, we've experimented with 
different barrels over the years. Uh, this does a barrel fermentation, by the way. So this does uh, primary fermentation out of barrel, secondary fermentation in generally second or third use French oak with a little neutral oak worked in there. Um, this particular vintage is three quarter natural ferment and then 25% inoculated. Um, and I can pull the tech sheet if you really want to know yeast strains and things mm. like that, we can get into it. Mm. Um, so yeah, so for us, Chardonnay has always been sort of near and dear to the, the program, you know, in this region where the Finger Lakes is essentially synonymous with Riesling, it's, it's really beautiful to sort of turn people on to, you know, aptly put the other white grape, you know, Chardonnay. Now for me, as a serious sparkling wine fanatic, I'll say, I can't talk about Chardonnay without talking about sparkling wine. And for years and years, you know, whereas, you know, that now that the Rieslings coming out of the Finger Lakes are sort of on the, the world stage and getting some serious acclaim, I've been of the opinion for many years now that sparkling wine and Chardonnay along with it is going to be sort of the next big thing for the region for sure. Mm -hmm. Because like Ben said, you know, it's early, early harvest fruit, you know, this particular 19 harvest actually ran a little long. So we actually harvested this fruit uh, first week of October, if I'm remembering correctly. So we actually had this really beautiful maturity on the fruit. Like I said, it's always 100% French oak that we've dabbled with other, uh, we've dabbled with Hungarian in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, Boss Way is the sort of cooper that we were working with that we kind of fell in love with over the past few years. 2019 was a really special vintage because we actually saw, and I think it's in one of the slides, uh, it was our first ever reserve white wine bottling. It was the 2019 Chardonnay Reserve. Uh, we actually did two, two, two punch-ins worth. So it was about 46 cases of wine in total. Um, but Dan, to your question, I know that, you know, for us, we source a lot of fruit. Um, majoritively, it's all East Side Seneca Lake, all from what we refer to as the Banana Belt, which is yep. sort of the fun, cheeky nickname for the warm. Yeah, there's that black label, beautiful Reserve Chardonnay. Um, we're drinking its little brother, of course, not, not that this is anything to sneeze at. Um, so yeah, the banana belt microclimate is really quite fascinating. There's a great picture. So that's actually the vineyard where we grow our shard, which is the northernmost vineyard. It's about six miles north of the tasting room in a little town called Valois. And then we source from a handful of other growers actually between there and the tasting room down here in Burdett. Um, so it's all east side Seneca Lake fruit. And like Ben was saying, you know, we've got we've got the slopes, we've got the angle of the sunlight, especially the direct afternoon sunlight's a lot more intense. So the microclimate conditions here are really, really fascinating. Seneca Lake is like a really, really cool body of water and how it affects the growing around it. Um, you know, there'll be days and I, I live, I still live over on Cayuga Lake, you know, there'll be days where I, I drive out of the Cayuga Lake Valley up over the hill down into the Seneca Lake Valley and, you know, it'll be snowing a quarter of a mile that way. And then there'll be a, a line in the road where the snow just stops because it's like a two degree air temperature difference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we all know, it's only a degree difference between ice and water. And that little bit of extra zhuzh goes a long way as Ben can attest to for sure. So yeah, so this we did, uh, we actually over, over vintage this um, vintage because of COVID and et cetera, et cetera. So we, you know, we weren't moving through it as fast as we were before. So this actually did about 12 months in barrel, whereas historically we usually do seven to eight um like i said it's all second third use and neutral oak barrels generally speaking uh so you did a great job of of answering my question already and i think it's actually great um that you are boots on the ground in the tasting room i think that is um really uh you know for me just just as important as 
um, you know, the winemaker perspective, really, um, you are the mouthpiece for, uh, you know, for the wines that are that are being made. And you're also, you know, really the, the best a person to get the feedback from the people that are really drinking it, which is, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, and so my question was, you know, should Chardonnay be getting the same amount of attention as Riesling and, and why? Um, and, and I think you answered that, you know, I even said, what does the future look like? And, and I think the future is bright for Chardonnay. I think you think that too. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I have to say, you know, not to get into too much of the business, you know, I want to stay focused on the wine is proper for these things, but I, I have noticed or a, a, it's been a noticeable uptick in Chardonnay consumption from the tasting room in the past two years, mm -hmm. for sure. And I don't know if it's, you know, took the words out. I don't know if it was from specific to the vintage, because, of course, doing this is where we do it. We get a lot of vintage variation, which we celebrate, um, you know, and answer your question before. It's it always starts with the fruit. So there's no as I think, as Ben put it, um, it's not wine by numbers. Right. So it changes every year. Um, and I think that that's special. And I think it's something to be celebrated. It gives us something new to talk about all the time. And I don't know if it's just Riesling fatigue or if Chardonnay has just sort of become more of a more of uh, more prevalent in the conversation to wine consumers. But I've seen Chardonnay really moving lately, which really, again, as a Chardonnay fan, does my heart does my heart good for sure. Um, you know, it's something cool. We talk about, you know, Ben talked about balance. We're all about balance. It's not heavily oaked. We only do partial mallow. So it's not like overly buttery vanilla bomb. And it's fun to show people Chardonnays that have these like the bright acid component of like this lively mouthfeel. They're almost like dance on the palate sort of things as opposed to like these rich, heavy, chewy, high alcohol Chardonnays that I think a lot of people just sort of by rote associate with the variety. Very good. Uh, Alex, Ben, questions, comments, thoughts? Yeah, no, it's seeing a lot of... Uh evolution in the Damiani Chardonnay. It's exciting to see the, the move more and more to, you know, like a, a longer, slower natural fermentation. I uh, echo your sentiment. I think that, um, you know, Char Chardonnay is seeing, seeing an, an uptick. Um, uh, if, if ever, I don't know if ever it had a downstroke really. Um, but uh, I think as we make, more and more uh, textural wines. People are really taking taking notice. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to see that conversation shift because you know you've got the depth and complexity of these world class rieslings, and Chardonnay has woefully been left out of that conversation. I feel for a long time, so it's it's really nice to show people these these deep, complex, nuanced Chardonnays that are coming out of you know the state. Yeah, I like. I, I like your comment about um, that acidity and the integration, the acidity and that aging profile. I think, you know, even if it was kind of a happy accident because of COVID slowdowns or whatever, I think that overwintering, overintaging, like it, it really shows beautifully in the wine because it integrates that acid really well. You get that kind of texture from that barrel aging. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. This is this is one of my favorites thus far in the, the years that I've been drinking Damiani wine. And I mean, I think to your I, point about, I agree. Happy accident, to be sure. Yeah. I mean, I think to your point about Chardonnay in general is that, like, 
I, I think with any region, it takes some level of uniqueness or novelty or whatever, you know, in terms of getting attention and kind of getting people to look look closely, you know, and as kind of the premier region for Riesling, I think the Finger Lakes definitely did that and the focus was on Riesling and that makes sense. But then I think people take a step back and they realize it's it's a quality region, right? And there are quality vineyards and quality winemakers and quality growing there. And it goes beyond one variety and they start to relook at everything. And I think that's where there's a great opportunity for people to look more closely at these Chardonnays, which I think as you as you point out, really do such a nice job of integrating that cool climate acidity and showing that brightness, but still richness in texture and balance. Um, so I do, I, I hope that people continue to look at Chardonnay. I fully, totally expect that that they will. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I totally think so too. You know, it, in all the years these guys have been doing Chardonnay and I, I did chat with Phil Davis a little bit about this um, actually last week when this stuff came up, not knowing that I was actually going to take part in this conversation. Um, <laughs> And he was just talking about his, you know, his journey with Chardonnay as a, as a grower and a, a sourcer of fruit for the winery for so long. And, you know, he said he, he's worked with a lot of different growers over the years. And he is, as I think the word he used was universally impressed with the Chardonnay that he's been able to get his hands on. And this is over the course of almost 20 years. So if that doesn't speak to the quality of the, the fruit coming out of this region. I, I don't really know what does because that man's been working vineyards for so over 60 years of his life. So he would know. Awesome. Hey guys, how's uh, this vintage going? How's 2021 shaping up? It's a junk, man. It's a, it's a jungle out there. Literally. I mean, it's, it's been incessant rain. I don't know about Long Island. I don't know. Alex, how are you guys making out with the, uh, with the hurricane that just rolled through? <laughs> I was super worried about it, but we ended up being fine. It went a little bit further um, east. It was supposed to be direct. Right. It was, uh, went further east, so we were, we were okay. So everything was fine there. But I, yeah. uh, I I never like to talk about a vintage before the wine's in the bottle. <laughs> I mean, like some people <laughs> say until <laughs> harvest. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I'm going to wait until it's bottled before I talk about the vintage. But um, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been it's been wet. It's been hot. I think um, I think June, July were the hu most humid um, June, July months on record in the Eastern Long Island. So like, it's been it's been wet. It's been hot. It's been it, you know. But at the end of the day, I always think that you know, at least on the East end, I mean, our vintages always come down to September, October. So those are the two, the two critical months for us. If we get this beautiful kind of blue sky, sunny falls, then, then it's an awesome vintage. And, and fortunately we've, we've had, uh, had a handful of those. 2018 was not a vintage like that for us. <laughs> it was pretty wet in the fall, but, um, but hopefully for us, we fingers crossed that we can have a nice, long, warm, sunny fall to kind of ripen all that fruit and keep everything clean. Yeah. 18, 18 was a monster. We had like you know, I, I, I refer to 2018 as the great deluge. We had uh, like biblical flooding. It was, it was pretty rough. That's, you know, that's what Ben was talking about with that, with that, you know, Chardonnay. Um, but yeah, I mean, this year, you know, from everything I know, I know that, that it's, you know, growth explosion. It's been tough to keep up with um, in part because the vineyards have seen a serious labor shortage as have many industries, as we all know. Um, so, it, you know, it, it took some wrangling to get the vineyards under control, especially when we were, you know, shoot thinning and tying and things, you know, these really critical stages to the growing season. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, we had one tenth of the, the bodies we needed out there doing it. So it was a bit of a scramble to get it all together, but I know that it's all come together nicely. And, you know, now it's just as, as is pretty typical of the Finger Lakes fighting disease pressure is sort of the, uh, that's the, the monster we're battling right now, but, you know, but oh, so far so good. You know, like Alex said, September, October, I'll, I'll get back, I'll get back oh, to you. Good. 
Uh, so a few questions. Uh, we got a couple minutes to go, uh, but we have a few questions in the in the Q and A. So I want to uh, cruise through them. Also, I'm I'm kind of uh, I've got one eye on the chat box and the uh, conversation just over uh, about sparkling wines is is awesome. And so uh, I'm glad you guys are uh, getting the opportunity to, to taste taste these wines because um, they're they're really cool. And uh, you know we're looking at talking about vintages going back over 10 years. Uh, and it's exciting to see those wines, uh, you know, available to folks. Uh, super cool. Um, is there, uh, this is probably uh, best directed to Ben. Is there a particular Chardonnay clone that works well in the Finger Lakes because of the cool climate there? You know, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, I've spent a lot of time following Pinot Noir around the globe and, um, you know, in the, 10 years ago when I was in New Zealand, everyone talked about clones all the time. And now you listen to a Kiwi winemaker and they're like, well, our vines are a little bit older now. And really don't, I don't think it matters what the hell clone you have. You know, I would say a lot of our clonal selection here was probably based more towards a sparkling program. The, the real founder of the region, Charles Fournier yep. um, was of, um, Vouve Clicquot kind of like lineage um, before he moved here to work in Hammondsport. So he probably went in the 50s when he was getting people to plant Chardonnay, probably had sparkling in mind. And I love working with, um, you know, these older vineyards. I, you, I can find Chardonnay that was planted in the, in the 70s and, and get access to it. And, you know, the, these rural growers, um, in the brave new world in the seventies, I don't think they really knew what the hell they were planting, uh, speaking clonally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I were to plant, um, I might be interested in some of the, the California heritage clones. Um, maybe, um, cause they're, they're just so like, like what, what I was working with at Williamson was, was very rich. Um, but, you know, again, let's get it in the ground and just um, foster these vines until they have some real vine age. And, and then we'll, we'll probably all be in great shape. Yep. Uh, and Ben, we touched on this uh, earlier, but just to uh, to recap, uh, Andrew was just asking about the aging regime on your wine. And uh, we're talking large format uh, oak barrels exclusively um, and with a mix of age. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Almost, almost all uh, 400 liter barrels ferment in there, stay on gross fermentation lees. Um, and um, then I rack about a month before uh, bottling and spend a little time in the tank to, to finish the wine prior to bottling. So it's about an eight month oak regime. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, and then we've got one more. Where does, uh, commercially speaking, New York State, where does Chardonnay fit in relative to other uh, varieties? And I know we've kind of been talking about this kind of broadly speaking throughout, you know, and I think as a retailer myself, you guys have been... Uh, I stock more Chardonnay, bot different bottles of Chardonnay than any other white grape variety. And, uh, and so you guys have been doing a, you know, a great job on, on answering these, these tough questions that I'm posing to you is, is Chardonnay not cool and things like that. And really for me, it's just, um, there is so much more wine available at the moment. You know, there's more fine wine being made in the world and in different places and the access to it has never been so good. Uh, and then 
and we have absolutely seen, you know, a resurgence or a dedication towards uh, native uh, varieties, indigenous grapes, things like that. And so uh, I love Chardonnay, but, but how does it fit into the conversation when there's so much else going on now? Just to chime in, I mean, I think Chardonnay is really core to the East End, and I think it is a little bit of a different conversation, perhaps, in the Finger Lakes. Um, but I mean, Chardonnay really is, I think, the flagship white variety of the East End of Long Island. I think we, we do it well. We've been doing it continuously since the 1970s. Uh, I mean, a lot of those heritage and hybrid varieties aren't necessarily part of our history on the East End, right? I mean, we've been farming mostly vinifera consistently due to the more moderate climate, um, where Chardonnay, I mean, was was one of those original varieties planted by planted by the Hargraves in, in the 19, late 1970s and, and has really kind of been the principal white variety of our region for our entire history. So I think Chardonnay and then of course the Bordeaux Reds are really kind of core to our identity as a region. Right? Yeah, and I think, uh, and Alex, you're right, the conversation about Chardonnay is a little different as far as I'm aware, majoritively the, the most of the Chardonnay that was originally planted here was, and somebody, anybody correct me if I'm wrong, but was mostly planted for sparkling wine. And then it's just kind of taken off and grown from there. But again, you know, as more people come to the region and find what we have to offer, um, you know, in this little heart-shaped box we call the Finger Lakes. Um, you know, I, I think people are genu genuinely surprised at the quality of the wines coming out of here. And another thing I try to remind people is that, by and large, in the grand scheme of the wine world, the Finger Lakes is still a pretty young wine region, all told, you know. So it only keeps getting better as far as I'm concerned. And I, I genuinely really liking the, you know, the Rieslings bring them here. And then once they're here... We turn them on all the other good stuff that's coming out of here. You know, Chardonnay keeps them coming back. <laughs> that's, I mean, that, if God willing, you know, I, I try, <laughs> I do try. I Keep feel like I'm a dealer sometimes. Fight. I'm like, you sure you don't want to try it? Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm buying here. You know, it's not, this <laughs> bottle's not drinking itself, you know, nope. stuff like that. Uh, gentlemen, uh, before we close out any, any final closing thoughts, shameless plugs, anything like that? Everybody feeling good? Um, well, I've got I've got less than a case left of that reserve Chardonnay, so uh, you know it's on the it's on the website. I know I, I saw it pop up in the chat before. I'm sorry I didn't speak to it directly, but um, I think somebody asked the difference between the reserve Chard and the regular. The the biggest difference was the it was a it was a small lot with the reserve Chard. It was two punchins worth of wine. Uh, the first time we've ever used brand new French oak barrels, uh, one medium toast, one light toast, and uh, it was over vintage 18 months of barrel time biggest difference so ageability was what we were going for on that guy yeah on a, on a similar note i think uh i think our distributor skernick just picked up the last uh last palette of our 2017 chardonnay so we're we've got a little bit of that left in the tasting room but then going to probably transition on uh onto the new vintage pretty shortly so uh which is always exciting our next vintage of the estate is gonna be 19 not not 18. i got the same problem y'all drank the 18 and i'm sold out um but my <laughs> distributor has it You'll find it in uh, you know New York and Atlanta and what have you. But the 19, I think, has um, an even better oak integration. Um, I saw my friend Tomohiro was drinking that tonight with um, fresh uh, sashimi. Um, and to uh, whomever had the, the question about uh, food pairings, um, forgive me. <laughs> I, I just, you know... <laughs> I like I've been bottling all day and I can't even I, I would love to just have a sandwich right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, we're going to let you go get that sandwich, my, my friend. Uh, guys, it was an absolute pleasure leading today's class. Um, I've probably done about a half a dozen over the last year or so, and this is definitely one of my favorites. Um, to everyone that's joining us uh, from all over the place, I hope you lead the session with a newfound desire and unquenchable thirst to seek out more uh, New York State Chardonnay. There are so uh, many amazing ones uh, to taste. So, get on it. Uh, if you have additional questions you'd like to ask offline of any of our producers or myself, please don't hesitate to connect through the team at the New York State uh, Wine and Grape Foundation. You can follow all the producers and New York wines on social media. You can find me on Instagram at dbcheesynyc and at goodwinexgoodpeople. Uh, guys, thank you all so much for joining us and have a great rest of the week. Even in the Bible. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music is Wine by Kevens. Until next week, slancha.